Good morning again. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Spencer Nickel. Uh, Pastor Steve is on his way to Israel, so I'm one of the uh, one of those that come off the bench when the starters are out for a little bit. If you're uh, visiting today or back here for the summer, for the last nine months, our church has been going through what's called the story. Um, we still have a banner up from it. Um, the story is uh, God's story. It's scripture. Um, but over the last nine months, we have sort of really chugged through the Bible, the whole of scripture. We didn't do all of it, but it's sort of the highlights um, through the story. Uh, it's been fantastic. Um, most of you know it's far more than history. It's God's story, his redemptive plan for mankind. That's what the story is about. That's what the Bible is about. Um, it's his story. But it's also our story as his people, right? It's also, um, he, he continues to tell his story through us, through our lives here. Um, so if you were privileged enough to go through that with us the last nine months, I hope, uh, I hope it has been a huge blessing. It was for myself and, and that we, we loved going through it. Um, I think one reason is because we found ourselves consistent. I wanted to keep up with where church was and where Pastor Steve was. And so I, I found myself being fairly consistent, spending time in God's word. Um, and if you, if you did that, you know uh, the huge benefits there are to spending consistent, quality time in God's Word. Uh, so today, this morning, I want to sort of throw a lasso around the last nine months as a way to, to sort of summarize that, but also continue to encourage us to spend time consistently in God's Word. So let's pray together, and then we're going to look at some of the benefits of doing this. Father, we are grateful for this morning, for your word. Thank you for the last nine months uh, of going through your word. Um, Lord, thank you for teaching us through your word. Thank you that your word is like nothing else. Um, you speak to us through your word. And we invite you to speak now to each one of us. Lord, speak to us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at a handful of verses today. They'll be up on the screen. Um, and uh, some of the benefits, if you will, of, of, of staying in God's Word. Um, some of the internal evidence from God's Word that speaks about His Word. Um, there is no other book like this, is there? There's nothing else that you will ever read that will impact you the way this will. Uh, it's more than history. It's more than a story. It is, in fact, alive. You know that? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 is our first scripture we can read together. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's alive. It's active. This is not just ink on pages, is it? It's the very word of God. Um, it's living. 
It's active. It's sharp. It can um, come down in my life and cleave between right and wrong and show me where I'm off. Um, God speaks to us through it. It is from him. It is his word and is inspired by him. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is our second scripture we're going to look at. Chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture, Paul wrote to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, 40-some men put pen to paper, so to speak, to write the Bible. But every word of it was inspired by God. God's Spirit spoke to men who put it onto paper. And you and I benefit from that today. That's why there's nothing else like it. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and to train me. I learn when I read God's Word. It teaches me. I learn about God. I learn about His plan. I understand His will. I learn what we can expect in the future. It shows me the way to salvation. It teaches me. It also rebukes me. I need to be rebuked. You need to be rebuked. Don't take that the wrong way. But we, we do, don't we? We need to be rebuked. God's word will do that. When I'm on the wrong path, his word can show me. Living the wrong life shows me. Saying the wrong things. Having the wrong priorities. The word of God shows me, can rebuke me. If I will place myself under its authority and use it as a litmus test against my life, then I can see where God says I need to change. It's, it's awesome. It's like the instruction manual. I know a lot of you guys are like me when you have the some assembly required thing. Instructions are the last step, right? Let's try to get it together first, and then I'll look at the instructions. Um, but the Bible is literally instructions for life. It'll show me how to do what is right. Corrects me. Shows me the right path to take. Right way to live. The right things to say. The right priorities to have. How to love God. How to love my neighbor. And will train me for right living. Keeps me on a straight path. It's the guardrails going over Monarch Pass. Not to, not to confine me or restrict me, but to keep me from plummeting off to my death, right? It's what the Word of God will do for us. It's living, it's active, it is unchanging, and it's inerrant. It's original manuscripts. It is without error, completely perfect. And it's eternal. Do you know that? I like to boil things down. Some of you are like that. You like the bottom line. Just give me the bottom line. Just give me the facts. If you want to boil something down, here it is. Do you know there's only two things from this life that will pass into eternity? Two things. The first is God's word. 
Isaiah 40, verse 8, tells us, Isaiah writes, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. And in Psalm 119, verse 89, we also read, your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. So the first thing is God's word. It's eternal. It will pass into eternity. The word of God stands forever. The second thing we find in John chapter 5. If you want to boil it all down, there's two things. First is the word of God. The second, this is Jesus speaking here. And he says, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. And come out. Those who have done good will rise to life, to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. The second thing is the souls of men. Jesus tells us that all all of us are going to live forever. You know that? All of us. Everyone. It's just a matter of where, right? There's two things from this life that will pass into eternity the word of God and the souls of men. That's it. And if our lives aren't invested in those two, it probably won't matter in eternity. The word of God and the souls of men. That's it. By the way, you know what happens to everything else? Second Peter chapter 3. Peter tells us, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth, and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. Everything else? It's a big weenie roast. (laughs) Yeah? That's it. And if our lives aren't invested in the word of God and the souls of people, It won't matter in eternity, will it? The word of God is eternal. The time we spend in the word of God will not only benefit you now, but in eternity. Oh, that we'd have a hunger, a hunger for the word of God because it brings life to us. He speaks to us through it. Annette and I have a dear friend. Her name is Carrie. She is um, currently, she's about our age, so she's not young, and she's, she's lost some brain cells. But she is, she's memorizing the entire New Testament. You know, um, She's through the Gospels into Acts, or maybe even into the Epistles already. She's memorizing the entire New Testament. Why? Not because memorizing something so much fun, but because the Word of God changes us. She's committed to it. I'm inspired by that. Howard Hendricks, the late professor at Dallas Seminary, used to say, when you're cut, 
you should bleed Bible. <laughs> it should be so much a part of who we are, the fabric of our being, the Word of God, because there's nothing else like it. I think it was the spring of 1993. I was learning to fly. I was getting my pilot's license. Mike Vader is here today. I see him back there. Hi, Mike. Mike was my flight instructor here at the Gunnison Airport, Gunnison Valley Aviation. Um, and that spring, getting my pilot's license with Mike, uh, God taught me one of the most um, valuable lessons I have learned about the Word of God. I don't think I've ever shared this with Mike. Um, one of the things you do, and is there any pilots here? Anybody else a pilot besides Mike? Working on it? Yes? Okay. So we got a couple. Um, one of the things your flight instructor uh, does with you is, is an exercise called unusual attitude adjustment. Uh, now, attitude is, is not referring to my attitude or the instructor's attitude. It's referring to the attitude of the aircraft as it goes through the air. If it's pitched up, down, to the left or right, so on. That's the attitude. So unusual attitude adjustment works like this. Um, you go up with your instructor. You fly out somewhere. And then, uh, I think Mike enjoyed this part, too. It puts a, a hood on you. It's kind of like a visor thing that shields you from looking outside the aircraft. So if your head is up and your eyes are open, the only thing you can see is your instrument panel. That's it. So he puts this hood on you, and I think that's the part Mike liked. And, uh, and then he, he takes control of the airplane and asks you to sort of put your head down, close your eyes, and then he just takes the plane and starts doing this for a couple minutes. Well, after a couple minutes, your kinesthetic senses are gone. Your equilibrium is gone. You have some idea of up from down because of gravity, but for the most, it's like getting off the tilt-a-whirl, you know. You, you, you don't even know if you're on the planet, you know. And so... After doing that for several minutes, all of a sudden he just goes, the airplane's yours. And you put your feet back on the pedals and grab a hold of the yoke and look up. But you can't see out of the airplane. All you can see are your panels, your instruments. Um, well, the first time Mike did it with me, I swore the airplane was pitched up like this and I was... In a, in a climb, and I thought, my, my instinct is push in on the yoke, bring the airplane level. That's what my body is telling me to do. But as I open my eyes and look at my instrument panel, my instruments are telling me, no, we're, we're, we're already in a dive. You need to pull up and level out. Oh, it fights everything in you. Because your body is telling you something different, and, you, and, your, and your instruments are telling you, no, pull up, pull up. What would have happened if I'd have pushed in? Pretty quick, I'd be in a nosedive. If I'm very close to the ground, what's going to happen? Yeah. The Word of God is similar. It is our instrument. 
It is our instrument. And as much as I don't want to at times, um, I must look at it. You know, you don't get any points for just having one on your shelf. You got a Bible on your shelf? We'll be. You don't get any points for that, folks. You got to look at it, just like I had to look at my instruments that day. Not only do you have to look at it, you got to trust them. My instrument, I could, I could look up and not see the horizon and look at my instruments, but if I don't trust those instruments, what good would it be? It wouldn't do anything for me. Similarly, are you convinced that this is God's word given to us? We got to trust it, folks. We got to look at it. We got to read it. We got to trust it. And lastly, on my instruments, I can look at them. I can trust them. But if I don't do what the instruments are telling me to do, I'm still going to crash. Application is probably the most important piece. I have to spend time reading his word. I have to trust it and believe that it's true, that the things that God is telling me in this word are true, no matter how I feel. Because there's a lot of times in life I just don't feel it. I don't feel like loving my neighbor. I don't feel like being kind. Put me behind the wheel. I don't feel like showing preference to one another. Is how I feel that important? No, it's not at the end of the day. Will I trust it? Do I believe what his word is telling me is true? And will I live it? I want to look at a couple more benefits of of consistently staying in his word. We must believe it's true. We must act upon it and live it. That's when we see change. That's when we get to know God the way he wants us to. Um, There are a few other benefits that I want to go over today. Uh, Benefits when we live according to the instrument. What the word will do for us if we are in it. Consistently, we're studying the word of God. We're applying it to our lives. We're living it out. It really becomes alive then. The first is it renews our minds. Romans 12, 2 talks about renewing our minds. There's a few others in Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8. We'll look at together. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Renews our mind. It revives our souls. It makes us wise. Gives joy to my heart. Gives light to my eyes. It's like a spa day. You know, it's like a makeover, complete makeover, spiritually speaking. You ever meet somebody that just has that look, and you go, man, there's just something about them. There's a sparkle to their eye. There's a light in them. I've heard so many people say that, use that term before. I'm like, here's why. Chances are they got Jesus in their hearts, and they're having a spa day in God's word. They're soaking in his word. 
It brings light to the eyes. You know it? My goodness, why wouldn't we want to spend consistent time in his word? That's just a few of the benefits. You go through Psalm 119, the entire psalm. It's, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. Um, and underline every place it talks about God's word. Now, it might use, like those verses, his law, his commands, his precepts. But you underline every one of those and go through and look at the benefits of staying in God's word. It, if, if nothing else, it will give you a hunger for it. And you'll go, ah, I want to spend time in his word. Is it a discipline? Yeah. There's days I don't feel like it. But then I'm reminded of what happens when I do spend time in his word. The God of the universe has a chance to speak to me. My goodness, why wouldn't I want to? Lastly, but maybe most importantly, um, it shows me the way to salvation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Let's read that together. Paul is writing to the young pastor, Timothy, here. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This word points us to God to his plan for us, which includes salvation. Cody is sitting up here in the front row, and he and I have a dear friend and uh, neighbor in Ohio City who uh, had asked me several times about Bible study, approached me about Bible study, um, isn't a guy that usually goes to church, and... Uh, I said, well, let's, uh, you know, let's go down to Cody's house and, and I'll bring a Bible for you and let's talk about it. And uh, so we went down to Cody's house and sat down and the three of us uh, opened the Bible. And, uh, and I said, you know, um, before we start, really the whole point of this of Bible study is to get to know the author. Okay, that's, that's the whole point of this. That's why God has given us his word so that we could get to know him. And then over the next hour, Cody and I had the chance to, to share our own faith journey with this friend and then open the scriptures and looked at God's plan of salvation. Uh, about an hour later, he invited Jesus Christ into his life and began a relationship getting to know the author. That's the point of Bible study. It's really the, the greatest thing. God in his word shows us how to come to know him, how to enter into a relationship with God. Tells me my condition, my sin. Points that out to me. Shows me what to do about it. It shows me how my sin creates a barrier between me and God and how it has to be overcome, but I can't do it. And that's why he sent his son. That's what Paul was referring to when he told Timothy. It's it's able to make you wise for salvation. It's able to take you and guide you to salvation. 
and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Finally, it helps us understand exactly why Jesus had to come. We're going to read John 3.16. Most of you know it by heart, but we're going to read it together for our last scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Therein lies the framework of what Paul was talking about. The framework for salvation. He loves, so he gave. We believe, so we live. He loved us so much, he sent his son. We choose to believe and put our faith in him. We live. We have eternal life. If you're sitting here this morning and you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the point of this morning. That's the point of God's word. And I would ask you to bow with me as, as, as we all bow our heads, close our eyes, and I pray if it's the desire of your heart to start a relationship with Jesus Christ today, would you pray with me? Let's all bow our heads. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Um, thank you for being sent by your Father because of his love for us. Lord, I know that um, I've blown it. We all have. We all have sin. Every one of us. And the result of that sin puts up a barrier, a wall between you and me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came and died uh, to pull the wall down to uh, allow me to be forgiven and enter into a relationship with you. Lord Jesus, that's my desire today, to take hold of your word and trust it and believe that it's true and say yes to Jesus and the gift that he has given me, eternal life. Lord, I, I want that. Father, we do love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of your word to us. Lord, help us. Inspire us. Give us a hunger for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a closing hymn. It's number 400 in your hymnal. Uh, if you'd like to turn there, I think the words will also be up. Come thou fount. And was singing all verses, okay?
let's uh, form our circle, share any joys and concerns we might have. Okay, joys and concerns that uh, we would like to share with each other. Okay. Remember the list that was in your bulletin. Yeah, so. I'll have it's like a blue laundry basket out there, and I'll send out to you know. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Other announcements, joys, concerns? Well, I'll be keeping our traveling uh, folks on our minds and our hearts, and pray for them as much as we possibly can. Uh, that's a long trip, and it's going to be a busy trip, and we hope that they have a blessed time. Yeah. You bet. Wish we were there. Someone else. Yes? Um, we can see her in the animal prayer room of the Engineering Minister Conference. Go to the World Wealth Women's Church and assist in prayer. That would be great. I know Steve Guerreri uh, had surgery on Friday and is recovering at home, and I think he would appreciate our prayers. Someone else? Any other joys or concerns? Someone you'd like to lift up? Am I missing somebody? Okay. Well, let's uh, close by singing.